All-Star Weekend reminded you just how talented the Pelicans can be and why managing the salary cap for the future was a smart move. Let's break it down in Monday's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Lundi Gras. We should have shows every day this week. If we don't have one, it might be because, well, it was Mardi Gras day and I just needed to go to bed, so no show on Wednesday. There will be a show tomorrow. I'm going to talk about Jonas Valanciunas and the Pelicans and how they kind of use their big men in tomorrow's episode. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down every single thing you want to know about this Pelicans team. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show as well. Today, we're going to answer some of your questions from Twitter. And we've got a couple more shows where we can take your questions to and talk about them on here. So let me know your questions at Nola Jake on Twitter. Twitter. We'll talk about Jose and Trey Murphy from the All-Star uh, weekend. I want to look at Jackson Hayes in the second one, and then Brandon Ingram and leading this team in the third. So let's start off with All-Star weekend. You saw Jose Alvarado in the Rising Stars game, winning the MVP of the Rising Stars game, calling his shot at the end. And kind of just reminding you how awesome of like a dude he is and how fun it is to have him on this Pelicans team. And then the next night, you saw Trey Murphy in the dunk contest get to the finals. And look, Mac McClung was a very worthy, very worthy winner of that dunk contest. And Trey did excellent too. And I think his dunks were a little underrated for some of the scores that he had gotten. But it reminds you, right, a little bit that this Pelicans team has a lot of talent here. And I know what you're thinking. The dunk contest, does that equate to in-game stuff? It kind of does, though, and I'll explain in a sec. It reminds you that this team is more than just Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, CJ McCollum as well, and that there is a lot of talent here. And this is something that in the lead-up to the trade deadline, I've been talking about. All those guys are going to need to get paid in the future. Jose Alvarado just kind of, again, staked his claim as a rising star in the NBA with that kind of performance. That puts teams and other fan bases kind of on notice. You think he might not get a bigger deal now after a performance like that? I think that can only help you. Same thing for Trey Murphy. He's known as a shooter, a three-point guy, but then you see him in the dunk contest doing those things. We've seen him do a lot of that in-game, too. One, it just means you want to have a guy like that on your teammates. Two guys that are easy to root for, that do fun things during an NBA game while hopefully helping their team win. Those guys can get paid. Those guys can get paid. And as the Pelicans, in the lead-up to the trade deadline, and I was talking about the luxury tax for the future and how expensive this team was going to be, You kind of see why. Trey Murphy will need a new contract eventually. Same will Jose Alvarado. And if you hope to keep them in New Orleans, well, you're going to have to pay them. And you need to make that as doable as possible for a small market. You know, Trey in particular, I think when you start to look at his skill set, 
the three-point shooting being outstanding when he gets it going. You know, he's been much more aggressive this year attacking the basket. He's going to try and show, you know, in games that he was worthy of being in that dunk contest, and he definitely was. It's going to grow his game, I think. Those type of moments on the big stage make guys hungry for more. So I love seeing this sort of thing, and I think it means their futures are a little bit brighter than maybe what it was before, but you've got to plan for that. And so not going after a guy like OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., or going after, they did go after Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, you know, not getting those guys, you know, and then kind of just doing the smart accounting thing with Josh Richardson, who clearly has done well in New Orleans so far in the two games, minus the ejection. You know, I think as disappointing as it might have seemed at the time, planning for the long-term future with guys like Jose, Trey on this team is only going to be a good thing, especially if New Orleans wants to be sustainable, as David Griffin has said, build a sustainable winner. And that's not easy to do in a small market. And it does mean managing the salary cap in an exceptionally you know, prudent manner, I guess. Not necessarily frugal, but kind of this, this weekend, the All-Star Game festivities kind of show you, oh yeah, they've got these other guys here that are good too. It's a reminder of how talented and deep the team can be when they're putting it all together. And that, yeah, those guys then get paid and you've got to watch out for all of that. That was fun though. That was so much fun to watch. Just Jose being Jose, doing his thing, getting involved with Trey in the dunk contest in what was like a meta kind of dunk that even threw me off. I'm a big believer in like, you got to nail the dunk on the first attempt. And when Trey kind of did like an aborted first dunk and then Jose stole the ball and that was kind of the setup, it was like, oh, I get it. I don't think the judges totally got it and realized it and figured it out either. But Trey was kind of in his own and through some unbelievably impressive dunks down. He would have won past couple of years, I think, had he been in it then. And though Mac McClung was awesome. Like those were absurdly, absurdly impressive. And yeah, deserved winner. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Just very cool to see the Pelicans in there. And it was a reminder of kind of why we love this team, why we love the game of basketball too. And I sometimes those moments... You know, particularly with the way they kind of ended All-Star break, though when people talk about they limped into All-Star break, they went four and two over the final six before All-Star break. They didn't go into All-Star break like a, a desperate, desperate team. But after, you know, 10 straight losses, you know, not the best second middle part of the season it does kind of get to you and you, you kind of forget how fun and awesome basketball is. And that was a really good reminder of all of that. So I'm really glad we got to enjoy watching the rising stars game, the dunk contest, even the three point shootout was pretty good too, with Damian Lillard, like deservedly winning that. And it's kind of awesome to see him get that too. Just and then Tatum and 50, like everything was just great. I enjoyed all-star weekend very much so this year. Also nice that it's coincided with Mardi Gras. So you get a, like a mix of everything when you come home tired after parades, get to go and watch that. Like sign me up. Let's, let's do this all the time. I think, although I don't know if we'd actually survive if that was the case. So coming up, let's get to your questions. I want to look at Jackson Hayes in the next one, then Brandon Ingram in the third segment of today's show. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. This is Trey Murphy, right? You're looking for something that's brilliant. His dunks, absolutely fierce, throwing them down. There's an elegance in the way he just did that alley-oop without a bounce, caught it in one fell motion, and then threw it in. Powerful, strong, 
all of that. It's exactly like the 2023 Nissan Aria. It packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all completely free, breaking down every single thing you want to know about this Pelicans team. Still have some break from all-star festivities before the game on Thursday. We'll recap that on Friday, which means Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are your questions. It's your time to shine. Let me know what you want to hear about Give me your question. It'll either be a segment potentially or a whole show if it kind of lends itself to that. Tomorrow, we're looking at Jonas Valanciunas, and that was a question that was sent to me on Twitter. So let's get into some of your other questions here. And this one, this one made me laugh because it's two, and it's like just the duality of it here. So the first one comes from Andrew Livingston. It's at Andrew Nova 33 on Twitter. And he says, do you think Hayes, Jackson Hayes could develop into a good rim protector for the Pelicans? And then the net, literally like the next one that I saw is catfish Hunter at catfish, uh, Boogie, B-O-G-I-E, can you talk about the lack of development with Jackson Hayes? What was, is the role or player comparison they wanted him to become? Did the vision for him change to the point? What happened? Yeah, Jackson Hayes is an interesting one, right? A lot of people really seem to think there's there's room for growth and that he could kind of develop. And others are like, okay, so yeah, this dude's just done here. I, I'm in the latter camp. This is just an unfortunate situation that happens when drafting players and they don't always work out. And there's a mix of reasons why I feel that's the case for Jackson Hayes. Again, there's all the tools and talent. He's a high flyer. He runs like a damn gazelle, right? He can get up. And it's just never been put together for a center. And I was really high when they drafted him. You know, I'd done a mock draft where I had the Pelicans taking him at like 15 or something like that after I had fake traded Anthony Davis to the Celtics. And it seems like Jackson Hayes would be kind of like the perfect vertical spacer with Zion Williamson. We talk a lot about spacing on the court with three-point shooting, but there is vertical spacing too above the rim as a lob threat. And Jackson Hayes is that. It anchors a defender to him when you put a guy like that in the dunker spot. That defender takes a step towards Zion. Zion just lofts the ball up. Jackson Hayes flushes it down. That's kind of the dream. But there's more to basketball than just simply that. And Jax has not put it together. You know, I do think that there are some maturity issues there. Every time he steps on the court right now, and this is kind of the interesting thing with it, you know, he's not doing the things you necessarily want him to do. He's taking threes. He's doing other things like that. And you're just like, man, be a big, just be a big. Now, part of that's the coaching staff. They want him to extend his range to three-point, but he's shooting 12% from three this year. He shot 35% on limited attempts last year. You know, the year before that on basically no attempts was 43%. There's, in theory, something there. The year before that was 14 total three-point attempts. He shot 20 of 57 last year. He's three for 25 this year. Part of it, I think, is on him, right? We've seen him get opportunities before under a number of different coaches and never really put it together and then would get kind of benched. Eventually, he would get his opportunity and in the second half of the season or the latter part of the season, he would be out there and he would do good enough to be like, okay, you'll have to give him minutes to start next year. And then next year, it looked like he regressed. You know, it's it's 
partially on the coaching staff for not being able to develop a guy that you would have hoped to. It's also on him for not being able to kind of put the tools and talent all together in one package. And while he's young, he's 22 years old, you know, this is a guy that's going to be due a new contract at the end of this season. And I don't see the Pelicans offering him one. I think most people were expecting him to be traded at the trade deadline, but I think they're going to just let him expire and they're not going to make him an offer because I just don't see a role for him. You know, the question of could he be a rim protector? Like, I don't see it. He doesn't play great defense. He makes some plays here and there, sure, but I don't see him being a consistent rim protector or efficient shot blocker for the Pelicans. Offensively, what's what's his role? Is it a pick and roll big? Is it him in the corner? As kind of a three-point anchor shooter, that doesn't seem to work because teams just sag off him and he's not making them pay by making threes. When you kind of look at all of that, it's just unfortunate. You know, he's the eighth overall pick, but these things happen. These things happen, honestly, more often than not. You're not going to hit on every draft pick. And one of the reasons why you want to draft a lot of guys, why you want to have a lot of draft picks is so that you find one or two that work and you can build the team around them or they become a complementary piece. But the majority of draft picks don't really kind of live up to where they were drafted or look particularly great. Jax is just an example of that. Kind of same for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You know, taking 17th, I think, in that draft. Maybe a little bit later than that. I can't remember now. You know, never really put it together while he was here in New Orleans, even though there was talent. And it's just kind of how it goes. You hit on Zion Williamson, and that's really the big one that you wanted to hit on. You hit on Herb Jones. You hit on Trey Murphy, it looks like. As long as you're getting some of them, no one's expecting you to bat 1,000%. And for Jax, it's just one of those things. You know, I think a lot of it was on him. At times, he lacks some of the discipline, it seems like, out there on the court. You know, you would think that even now, knowing that every time he's on the court in the limited minutes that he gets would be a chance to kind of showcase himself to another team. And he's more or less playing for his next contract with these limited minutes here. So going out and just ripping threes and doing things that make you kind of go, huh, what? is a little surprising to me. And you would hope, you know, his agent or someone is like kind of steering him in the right direction because this could cost him money in the future. But I don't expect him to be back with the Pelicans. And if I do think they want to add someone on the buyout market or if they really want to try and sign EJ Liddell, if they were going to cut anyone, waive anyone, it would be Jackson Hayes. You're already going to have to pay him the money anyway. This way, you just know you won't have to deal with free agency with him and kind of say like, thank you and good luck. And that gives you a roster spot to sign a guy like EJ Liddell or someone on the buyout market. So I think if they were going to move on from somebody, it would be Jackson Hayes to kind of clear that roster spot, though I don't necessarily see that happening either. It's it's a shame. You know, he was a starter in name only last year. Didn't really do too much. It was more the other players kind of carrying that load. Didn't play a ton in the postseason, but was a starter. But it, those lineups and things weren't working because of him. They were working because of Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, and we'll look at BI coming up here next in the next segment. But let me know, do you think there's still a chance Jackson Hayes could turn it around with this team? I'm not saying he won't do that eventually, that you know he might go to another team and all of a sudden he becomes good and you're like, what the heck happened? But it just does not seem like it's going to happen here, and I'm sure he would like a fresh start elsewhere as well. So coming up next, let's take a look at Brandon Ingram, what they can do, what he can do with this team to kind of lead them as he's going to need to without Zion Williamson for who knows how long, really. 
Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We've gotten through the holidays. It's Mardi Gras right now. It's not easy being healthy, but I'm trying and I'm doing it with Built Bars because I don't want to compromise on taste, especially now when you're out having so much fun. You got to have something good. And with Built, healthy is actually tasty. You won't believe that these are good for you, which makes them perfect. So what makes them so good? For starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm really not sure how they do. This is the best tasting protein bar I've ever tried, but only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Look, you don't even need to wait to get a box anymore. I've been telling you to go to Built.com for years, but you can go to your nearest Walmart, your local Sam's Club, grab a four-pack uh, box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. You can go to Sam's. You can get a 13-bar box with the flavors brownie batter and churro. Go give them a try. You can thank me later, and you can also go to Built.com. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, just giving you the Pelicans talk that you want to hear. The big pictures around the team, the the small nuanced things too, and taking your questions all here Monday through Friday. No days between shows, no weeks between shows. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We should and hopefully have a show every day this week. I'm going to just like power through and record a bunch um, on like Monday afternoon. So... Your questions here. Let's run to Yiki Durkin, who I think has asked ones before here. It's at Remington Thomas. And his question is, how high can B.I. take this team? Can he cement it as his team over the last stretch of this season? This is a good question because there's kind of two parts to it. One is, they can do really well. They did really well last year. And if you remove Zion from it, it's basically the same team, right? Except they're improved. Trey Murphy's better. Jose Alvarado is better. There's more talent here. Larry Nance Jr. is healthy. He wasn't healthy to end the season last year for New Orleans. He was just coming back from injury. So this team is better than they were a year ago. And they have one of the easier schedules. Now, that schedule is not actually as easy as the, the strength of schedule and everything truly is on there. But it is still pretty beneficial to New Orleans. They're also playing a lot of the teams they're in competition with because, frankly, all the teams in the West are in competition with one another. But that helps, I think. I do think that that really does mean they can make a run like they did last year. There's no reason to think that they're not. Willie Green, as we talked about in the end of last week, last Friday show, needs to figure some things out. Needs to look at himself in the mirror, figure out the rotation, figure out the offense a little bit more. But it's not like they ended the All Star, you know, the games before the All Star break on a disaster. They were four and two. Keep that in mind. Yeah, there was the ten game losing streak there. But as I kind of preached patience and said I'm not worried over all of that, you know, they immediately came out and won three straight after that. They've been in a rough spot before, but you also still see the makings of a very good team there. And the offense at times has very, very good games. It's not entirely just miserable all the time. Sometimes, yes, that game against the Lakers, absolutely. Even deceptively that win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. But there's still a very good team here. They were first in the West for a reason. They were third place in the West without Brandon Ingram for a long time. So I do think Brandon Ingram can lead this team. So can CJ, so can Larry, so can Valanciunas. All of them can. And I think that that they will be just fine. I don't see them missing the postseason whatsoever. I think they easily could avoid the play-in tournament as well. 
or if they have to go through it, they have to go through it. We've adjusted, or I've adjusted my expectations for this season based on the injuries that they've suffered. And it just sucks, right? Injuries are not fun, and I don't think there's anything bigger going on here. So with all that, I think they'll be just fine, and B.I. can take them pretty far. The question of him, you know, cementing it as his team is tougher to answer because I don't think that that's going to happen. I think for a short period of time, it'll be B.I.'s team. But we've seen everything just works better with Zion Williamson. Zion's probably the more talented player, the one teams focus on a little bit more and can score like nobody's business at the rim. B.I., mid-range, love it, right? But at times, he takes really tough shots, and he's making those, and credit to him. But that can come back and bite you like it did against the Los Angeles Lakers. Zion, I don't know if those are tough shots because he still finishes 60% of them higher than that when he's getting met with defenders at the rim. And just everything seems to work a little bit better with him out there. So while it can be B.I.'s team for the period of time, you know, in the postseason, if Zion's playing, it's going to be a Zion-centric offense. Next year, even if Zion doesn't play the rest of the way, it's still going to be his team when the new season starts. I don't know if there's anything that Brandon Ingram's going to be able to do where you're like, it's his team. Not when he also misses a ton of games, right? If he played all 82 games every year, we might look at this a little bit differently, but that's not the case. And that's okay. He gets hurt. He's not feeling right. Don't play. But it's going to be Zion's team when Zion's healthy. It can be B.I.'s team right now, but it's Zion's team. And it will be as long as he's on the roster or, you know, playing, basically, is what it kind of comes down to with that. Let me know if you disagree. Do you think it is B.I.'s team? Do you think it can be B.I.'s team? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy the parades on Lundi Gras. If you're going to be celebrating anywhere, enjoy Mardi Gras Day as well. I know I will be. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Be back with you all tomorrow on Mardi Gras Day to talk about Jonas Valanciunas.